Well, good morning. How are you this morning? It's, um, it's good to be back. Um, our family was in Michigan the last two weeks, uh, spending time together looking at uh, the horizon over Lake Michigan. We, um, we come back uh, refreshed by our time together in one of God's beautiful places, but um, we come back um, with heavy hearts, too, um, given uh, the tragedy in Aurora. When, um, when we first heard the news that Friday morning, um, our hearts ached to be back with you. Um, just long to be here with um, our family to grieve with you and to process with you and uh, to fall on our knees before God together. Um, I was almost on a plane, but uh, Dave Beatty talked me into staying where I was, and Dave's with his family, his daughter and um, son-in-law and family in uh, Seattle, but um, boy, I appreciated what he had to say last week about the comfort that God gives, and I'm glad uh, he can take some time with his family um, for a bit. Um, it is a painful time. It's a painful time in um, the greater community of Denver. Um, it's also a painful time um, in our church in particular, uh, given Columbine. Uh, suddenly, um, suddenly Columbine uh, wasn't so long ago, was it? Something like this happens, uh, especially so nearby, and uh, it's like an old um, war wound um, something that you think is healed, but when something reminds you of it, uh, there it is again, just like uh, it first happened uh, yesterday. Like, um, like many of you, I, I'm sure, I've been um, trying to keep up with the news and details of what happened uh, in that crowded theater on that Thursday night uh, when James Holman, it seems certain, uh, opened fire, leaving 12 dead and 58 seriously wounded. Many questions remain. Probably as I look online and read in the papers and catch what news I can get, um, the question chief among them, or one that always seems to be asked no matter what or where I read, is why did he do it? How could, um, how could anyone possibly do that. The, um, the Monday after the shooting, uh, Joel Rosenberg, um, the well-known author, I'm sure many of you have read uh, some of Joel's books, uh, Joel sent out an email talking about the shooting. I, wanted, um, I want to read portions um, of that email for you this morning because I think I think Joel gives us a valuable perspective. See what you think. Joel writes, One thing is clear today. The demons of violence and lawlessness are on the loose all across America, not merely in Aurora. Violent crime in the United States has surged by more than 460 percent since 1960. The further we turn away from God in our nation or give lip service to religion, the worse things are getting. 
We are witnessing a horrifying explosion of murder. We are witnessing a gruesome crime wave unprecedented in American history. And there appears to be no end in sight. In recent years, we've seen brutal mass murders in high schools like Columbine, on college campuses like Virginia Tech, and in small towns across America. A recent FBI report says the murder rate soared 18.2% in small towns in America last year alone. And then Joel continues, is this evidence of the early stages of cultural implosion? I believe it is. Alarm bells are going off all around us. Lights on the dashboard are flashing. Warning, warning. Yet America is sleeping through the alarms, blind to the warning lights. And then Joel turns his attention to the church, of which he's a member and which he loves. And he says this, And tragically, for the most part, the church... God's chosen instrument to bless individuals, families, communities, and nations is asleep as well. I shudder to imagine where we are heading. If we don't wake up soon, plead for the Lord's forgiveness and ask Him to use us to love our neighbors and revitalize our country. Joel then quotes from Second Chronicles where God says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. America is on the brink of collapse, Joel warns. We desperately need God's mercy. Without his grace, we will implode. It's not a matter of if, but when. Thus, now is the time we must urgently ask the Lord to give us a sweeping series of spiritual revivals in every part of our nation that will culminate in a third great awakening. Whether God decides to say yes is up to him, but let us not compound our many national sins by failing to get on our faces before him and implore him to pour out his Holy Spirit and save us from disaster. That's Joel Rosenberg. Convicting words, it seems to me. I agree with him that much of the reason, at least, for the rise of violent evil in our country is our country's systematic turning away from God. Pray for our country, won't you? Pray for our culture. While you're praying for those individuals and families uh, so devastated by this most recent shooting, 
Will you also pray for America? Pray that God forgives her, protects her, and restores her. Pray that God makes America worthy of her world standing as a Christian nation. Our country is in such desperate need of God. Will you please pray for her? When, um, whenever such blatant evil actions as this happen, along with everything else that I feel, together with you, I'm sure, for victims and families, I feel um, also what Joel calls a wake-up call. This kind of thing that happens is where the rubber meets the road in life. Do we need a wake-up call for our country, for the church? I know it's a wake-up call for me personally again. And the wake-up I'm talking about is our need to wake up again to the fact and the reality that life is a battle. And in the battle, obedience to God matters. In fact, it's the only chance we have. The battle's won between good and evil, between God and the devil. And as followers of Jesus, indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit, we are in particular called to be caught up in that battle. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get lulled into feeling that life is more like a vacation than it is a battle. That I'm here only to enjoy the good things in life. I look at how much time and money and effort I spend on enjoying the good things that God blesses with us in life. And how often in pursuing those good things, I want to avoid getting mixed up or worrying about evil or bad things in the world. And I sometimes forget that in the words of the Apostle Paul, I'm called daily to put on the armor of God. And here's the thing about armor. You don't wear armor for a vacation. The reason Paul warns us in Ephesians 6 to put on that armor is because the battle's joined. It's joined across the world. It's joined within our homes. It's joined even within each of us as we wrestle against that evil inclination that wants to trap us. And we're in this battle Do we understand that? Partnering with God against evil. If we're still searching for a purpose-driven life, that's one clear way to cast our purpose. Our purpose in life is to partner with God 
in battling evil. You know, easily, easily the most frequent question that still, even this morning, as I checked online to see if there was any new news from what had happened, the most frequent question that still comes thundering out of this tragedy is the one I already mentioned. How could Holman or anyone possibly do something like this? The more I read on the shooting, the more and more I see that question asked, and it's a question that's asked with surprise and shock and incredulity. People are incredulous that someone might do something like this. And while I'm also asking that question, how could he do it, I'm not incredulous that it happened. Because I already know the answer to that question. In fact, every Christian should know the answer to that question. How could something like this possibly happen? The Bible clearly tells us why it happened. And it happens. And it will happen again. It happened because we live in a fallen world where temptation to sin often gets the better of people. It happened because people are not on their own basically good or somehow on their own evolving into something better and better over time. It happened because without the grace of God and sacrificial death of Jesus, People, humanity, the world is doomed. And we shouldn't be, really be surprised that it happened, nor when it happens again. We know why Holman did it. He fell prey to evil, and evil in the world is a force to be reckoned with. It's a force to be reckoned with, and evil, it won't be completely destroyed until Jesus comes again. Interestingly enough, our president got that part right. Maybe you heard what President Obama said in Aurora after visiting with victims and their families. I, when I first heard it, I did a double take when Obama quoted precisely the correct scripture in processing this evil event. I got chills when he said it because it rang so deeply true. If you didn't get a chance to see it, or to remind you, I I brought a video clip in case you missed it. The setup for the clip is Obama has just spent some time with victims and their families. He walks into the press room that's set up that appears to be in a hospital somewhere. He thanks uh, the local politicians, Governor Hickenlooper, And then he says, the mayor of Denver, I think he forgot the mayor's name because he did say the name of the um, chief of police. And then he thanked um, the hospital staff um, for all of their help. And then to open um, what he wanted to say, he started with this. Let's listen. You know, Scripture 
says that uh, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away and yes Mr. President you got that right now, I'd love to ask him if he fully appreciates the greater context of that scripture. I'm not sure if he did. Next time I see him, I'll ask him. But the verse he quoted is dead on. And it's from Revelation 21. And they are the words of Jesus himself. The context is Jesus sitting on the throne of heaven proclaiming in a loud voice what will be when he comes again. That's when all tears and death and evil will be no more. That's when that former age where those things are present will pass away. When Jesus comes again, and in context, when God makes his dwelling with people forever. President Obama quoted the great and uniquely Christian hope that Jesus is coming again and evil will be no more. Amen? And so we shouldn't be surprised or incredulous when evil happens. And it will continue to happen until he comes again and the old age passes away. And in the meantime, until that day, here we remain, putting on our armor, doing battle against evil, witnessing that future kingdom of heaven when evil is no more by being that kingdom of heaven to those around us in love. And looking forward and expectantly to that day, Jesus returns and evil is no more. And so really our question of how on earth could this happen needs to move to a question of now what? When evil like this happens, now what? As believers, as followers of Jesus, what should we do in response. President Obama ended his press conference by telling a story of a young woman who was in the theater during the shooting. Did you hear it? And she is a hero. And I sat there mesmerized by the story. Maybe you heard it too. I, as he told the story, I felt deeply convicted and tears started welling up in my eyes, not just for what this young lady did, but because it struck me strongly, you know what? This heroic story should be the story of the church. Should be the story of every follower of Jesus. If you know him, if you follow him, and you wonder what you should do, 
in the meantime, until he returns, in response to when evil happens around us, listen to this story of that hero that night. Let's listen. Uh, I had a chance just now, about five minutes ago, to visit with Allie Young. Uh, Allie is 19 years old. And I also had a chance to visit with Allie's best friend, Stephanie Davies, who's 21. Stephanie was actually downstairs with Allie, as well as uh, Allie's parents, uh, when I walked into the room. Uh, and I don't think uh, this story has been heard at least I hadn't read it yet, but I, I wanted to, to share it with you. Uh, when the gunman initially came in and threw the canisters, uh, he threw them only uh, a few feet away from Allie and Stephanie, who were sitting there watching the film. Uh, Allie stood up, uh, seeing that uh, she might uh, need to do something or at least warn uh, the other people who were there. And she was immediately shot. Uh, and she was shot in the neck, and it punctured uh, a vein. And immediately she started spurting blood. And apparently, uh, as she dropped down on the floor, Stephanie, 21 years old, had the presence of mind to drop down on the ground with her, pull her out of the aisle place her fingers over where she, uh, where Allie had been wounded and uh, applied pressure the entire time while the gunman was still shooting. Allie told Stephanie she needed to run. Stephanie refused to go. Instead, actually, with the, her other hand, called 911 on her cell phone. Once the SWAT team came in, uh, they were still trying to clear uh, the theater. Stephanie then, with the help of several others, carries Allie across two parking lots to where the uh, ambulance is waiting. And because of Stephanie's timely actions, uh, I just had a conversation with Allie downstairs, and she is going to be fine. I don't know how many people at any age would have the presence of mind that Stephanie did uh, or the courage that Allie showed. And so uh, as tragic as the circumstances of what we've seen today are, uh, as heartbreaking as it is for the families, uh, it's worth us spending most of our time reflecting on young Americans like Allie and Stephanie. Uh, because they represent what's best in us. And they assure us that uh, out of this darkness, uh, a brighter day is going to come. Hmm. Oh, that story should be the story of the Christian church and every follower of Jesus. Not to show the best in us, but to show the love of God. To put our lives on the line. To be willing to give anything. 
to help others who are hurting and who are caught up in the evil that happens, even while all hell breaks loose around us. In other words, to do exactly what Jesus did. One of the things that I was doing while uh, I was away was um, thinking about where to take us um, Sunday mornings in the future uh, in the message. I had some uh, ideas, and uh, actually I was even thinking about it the Friday morning when the news came of what had happened back home. And um, I found an answer, and um, it was affirmed when a good friend emailed me and uh, suggested the same thing. And so um, for the next few weeks, what I'd like to do together is to talk about some of the hard questions that come out of an event of sheer evil like this. I've been reading um, so many of these questions that have gone up. And as I hear all the questions, the Christian worldview is the only one that can best answer them all. Questions like, why did he do it? And also questions like, why didn't God stop him? You ever ask that question when bad things like this happen? Or how could God let this happen? I've seen these questions online both from people inside and outside the church. How can anyone believe in a loving, all-powerful God who allows things like this to happen? Or how about this one? If Jesus defeated evil on the cross, why, does it, why is it still around causing so much pain? Have you ever asked questions like that when evil things happen? Other questions I've seen is questions of spiritual warfare, demons and angels and the like. Questions like, does the spiritual realm have anything to do with what happened in the theater that Thursday? Is there anything we can do about that? Is it possible the gunman was possessed? Are some of the questions that I've seen. So I'd like to take a few weeks, while those sorts of questions seem to be coming to the fore, both inside and outside the church, to look at those questions. And um, for that, I'd also like your help. I'd, um, I would really appreciate if you would please send me your questions, the questions that uh, you've had over the last 10 days or so relating to this um, event. Maybe they're similar to the ones I've mentioned. That's okay. I'd still like to hear from you, and maybe 
You've got a different one or different questions than any I've mentioned. But um, would you please send them to me? You can email them to me at tlanting at westbulls.com and just put in the subject line questions, and that'll help me greatly in preparing for us to talk together about um, some of the hard questions that people are asking. And maybe along the way, even if you don't have the, uh, these questions, I would, uh, I would imagine that everyone in here knows at least one person who may have those questions, and maybe you'll be better equipped um, to provide an answer in the time that we spend over the next few weeks looking at them. Will you do that for me? Email me some of the things that you're thinking uh, out of this tragedy, and uh, together we'll look at them before God. In the meantime, um, take away from today, I suppose. Things like this can act as a wake-up call for us to remember that life is very precious and very short and is not first and foremost at least a vacation. Life is a battle. And we're called to join it daily. It's one we fight every day. And one chief way we fight it, and we'll look at other ways to fight evil over the next few weeks, but one foundational way that we fight this battle against evil is by putting our own lives and all that we have on the line out of our love for others who get caught up in the pain and suffering of evil in the world. Or in other words, one way we fight is by being just like Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, our hearts um, turn again and are still with those families and victims of um, what happened that Thursday night. Father, we pray, would you please go and be especially near to them, near to them in a way, whether or not they know who you are, near to them in a way where they feel your presence in comfort and encouragement and love. Give them, Father, what they need. Give them strength and courage and the courage to hope again if, understandably, all hope is lost. Comfort them in their pain. Father, we pray for America and our culture. Please, Father, don't give up on us. Please, Father, protect our country from the temptation of self and the temptation of worldly might and power. Instead, Father, would you give America a great heartbeat to use all of her tremendous blessings that you've given us, all of her power, all of her might, all of her possessions, all of her influence, to be your love to the world and helping people who are hurting. Oh, would America be known for that. Father, I join 
people like Joel and pray again a renewed passion in my heart for revival. Maybe it starts in the interior in the smallest local churches in this country. And maybe it starts like wildfire from there and even gets into the big city centers. And Father, maybe it starts from that inside out where people are motivated and where people can clearly again see how desperately it is that they need you and that we need you and that there may be a significant shift in turn toward you and obedience to you and that eagerness would just consume us as a culture. Bump America, please, off its present course of moral depravity. Bump her. Bump her again toward, at the very least, what's in her founding documents acknowledging that you are and that you are creator. Father, we pray for America. Father, I also pray for our church, for West Bowles. Father, I pray for our equipping and for direction, for how it is that we can best respond in our community and perhaps to these families and victims just across the way. Especially, Father, giving the equipping you've given us in walking with us through something very similar not so long ago. Father, be with our elders and our staff and our ministry leaders and every person here and give us discernment and show us what it is that we should do to be a witness of your love to them in the world given what's happened. Give us that opportunity and partner with us in doing it, Father, please. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand, please, for the benediction this morning? It comes from Revelation chapter 21, a little broader context than what our president quoted. You remember in Revelation, the apostle John is given a vision, and he sees things that had happened, are happening, and will happen in the future. And one of the things he sees is Jesus sitting on the throne. And John writes this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God will be with people, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. And the one seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true.
in the name of the one sitting on that throne saying those words, Jesus Christ. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you all.